song and the praise and worship this morning has been phenomenal. And uh, you have such a wonderful praise team and uh, choir, would you, actually praise choir. Would you let them know how much you appreciate them and all that they do and the media team in the back? But I'm sure it didn't start out that way when the Bakers arrived about 13 years ago, a little, almost 13 now. I remember some of the history, you know, I'm from Kentucky. Even though I was born in Ohio, I got to Kentucky as quick as I could. We were born in Portsmouth. I don't know if you know where that's at or not. It's on the Ohio River. And so I was born. The only thing that separated me from Kentucky, and me and Kathy from Kentucky, was a creek called the Ohio River. And, uh, but most all of our ministry has been spent right here in this state. And uh, I would like for your pastor and his lovely wife, Donna, to stand. And I want you to give honor to the man and the woman of God that he has placed over you for the tremendous job that they have done in leading you. Praise the Lord. Thank you all so much. Thank you, uh, brother and sister Baker. I know he uh, served the Church of God uh, also as a youth director. Now it's called Youth and Discipleship Director. And uh, so he knows a little bit about what our job and our life is like. And Kathy and I are honored to be here and honored to serve in the state where we serve so long as pastors. And in fact, this is where I came in the Church of God at in Winchester, Kentucky, under William H. Morgan. He was my pastor. I love Brother Morgan. And, you know, he's uh, from Louisville, and uh, his brother still is alive. I think he's almost 90, and he attends where Dave Calvert pastors. Um, I'm trying to think of that. They changed the name of the, the churches since I was here, but anyway, moving right along. But thank God that he brought us home to Kentucky, and thank you for giving in the offering this morning. I was telling Pastor that they loaded up their equipment and pulled out on Friday night. So the last tree is down, and I thank God for that. Um, there was 320-some trees. I have a bid in my office for $275,000. That was the last official bid that was given before I came here to remove those trees. I preached over in Ratcliffe, Kentucky. Um, I don't know. It's probably been about back in January. Is that right? It was in January. And... Before I went to, to bed that night, actually before I fell asleep, the Lord reminded me that I spent a night in jail in Ratcliffe when I was in the Army. I've not always been a Christian, just so you know. And I, I was stationed at Fort Knox. And I shared that, and there was a young man, the young man who bid the tree job at $53,500, who heard me preach, and he came to my office on Monday morning after Sunday and he said, I want to bless the church. And he said, I want to bless you. And so that's how that happened. Say favor. So I'm going to be talking about favor this morning. Holly, it's good to have you with us. One of our friends from Lexington that we pastored uh, for about 15 years is with us today. Thank you for coming. And uh, thank all of you for being here. So when I think about the favor of God, I, 
I don't know why. I mean, I'm going to talk to you about Pharaoh this morning. I don't know why God put his favor in my life and on my life. It is, it's been a mystery to me. It really has. It, um, you know, I'm a son of a Baptist preacher. I was an ordained Baptist minister for five and a half years. I was raised in the Baptist church. That's why I'm still saved. My father had a seventh grade education. Uh, my father was not an educated man. He was a hardworking man, but he was a, he was a man of God. He was a preacher. He, he made me go to church. He didn't ask me if I wanted to go to church. He made me go to church, and I thank God that he did. And um, so I, I assume that somehow God marked me with his favor when I was growing up. I loved to sing. I loved to play music. And so we would sing and play music with Dad. Um, we would do revivals. In fact, my wife was saved in one of my father's um, revivals at a little church that I would later pastor called Henley Baptist Church. And... Um, Dad would do revivals. Some of them would last two or three months at a time. I mean, he was just a, he was a shouting Baptist. You know, he was free will Baptist. He, uh, partly Southern, the denomination was like old Hardshell Baptist, but we had music. You know, Hardshell Baptists don't have music, but we played uh, bluegrass. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. This is Kentucky. And uh, so I learned how to play the mandolin when I was five years old. I started playing the mandolin. I have a banjo, a mandolin, a guitar, flat top. And so that's how it all started in my life. And I can remember uh, Dad got hurt. We were living in Columbus. Dad got hurt. We moved to Portsmouth, Ohio. And we moved up the holler, plumb to the head of the holler uh, there in southern Ohio. And... Uh, I got introduced to copperheads and rattlesnakes. There's a bunch of those in the country. And um, I didn't realize how poor we were. I didn't know we were poor until I got an education. I thought everybody was like that. And then I met Kathy, and she lived up on the west side in West Portsmouth, Ohio, and she had running water. So I thought I was marrying up. You know, we had a well <laughs> running water in the creek. And uh, so... I thought, wow, I really married up in life. Little did I know that at that point, sometime in my life, God's favor came upon me. And from that point on, I can honestly say I've lived in the favor of God. That song, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. So with every breath that I am able, I'm going to praise my Lord for his favor. Would you give him one more hand of praise this morning? So turn with me to John 12, 26. And this is Jesus speaking. If anyone serves me, let him follow me if anyone serves me let him follow me i tell folks all the time if you want to you know people ask me 
Bishop, what can we do to support you? What, what can we do? Well, just be there. Just show up. How can you support your pastor and his wife? When the doors are open, be here. Support what this man and woman of God do. Because when you come, when you follow their leadership, that lets them know that you're with them. Let him follow me and where I am, say where I am, my servant will be also. So that tells me wherever Jesus is, if we're serving him, that's where we're supposed to be. If anyone serves me, him will my father honor. I don't know about you, but I want the favor and the honor of God on my life every second of every day at every red light, at every stop sign. You know, uh, Kathy and I figured up, we have, I have been in the car and Kathy most of the time with me. I've only been in Kentucky about eight months and I've driven 20,000 miles in, her, in the car that used to be hers that's now mine. And about 10,000 miles in my pickup truck. So in eight months, I've been across Kentucky over 30,000 miles. And I thank God. He said I would be blessed coming in and blessed going out. That these blessings would overtake me in the way. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I am blessed. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I'm surrounded. Psalms 5 and 12, he will surround the righteous with, a, with favor as with a shield. And so the favor of God surrounds our life. Now, that doesn't mean I don't pray. In fact, the first thing I try to do every morning when I get up is devotion. Say devotion. And, you know, there's things that we can do in our life, and I'll talk about attracting the favor of God in just a moment, but I believe that that's part of favor. Part of favor is before we head out the road, I always, in fact, our youth director knows before we leave the driveway, we're going to pray. And I thank God for his angels. I give them charge over me. They bear me up in their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. And you know what? That is the word of the Lord. Do you hear me? It is the word of the Lord. So put that in there and let God's favor surround you every day of your life. But part of favor is serving God. You know, the dirtiest four-letter word that most people don't say is work. COVID taught us a lot about work, didn't it? Can I tell you, America right now is in the throes of paying for free. Stimulus checks, and I'm, listen, I'm not talking about Democrat or Republican. I mean, this happened under what most Christian thinks is the greatest uh, president that we've had for Christianity named Donald Trump. But what happened, what was placed in place with free, 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 now the bills do. And guess who's paying the bill? You're paying at interest rates, you're paying at the pump, you're paying it with the price of inflation on everything that you purchase and everything you buy. Hello. Free's good when it comes around, but guess what? Sometime or another, people have to go back to work. Say work. My Lord, we couldn't even find toilet paper.
So I went to Kroger, and this has been about two months ago, so I think it's come back down somewhat now. But a dozen eggs was $7.69 for one dozen eggs. We live in a nation where people go to bed hungry every night and babies wake up hungry every morning. Do you hear me? We live at a time like no other time in the history of our nation. And most of us are blessed. We're in here. I'm blessed today. I mean, so are you. We're, we're here. The favor of God is upon our lives. But God didn't just give me favor to bless me. God gave me favor to bless you. If I will serve him, if I will wait on him, that word serve comes from the uh, same Greek word in the New Testament that we get the word deacon from. I was raised Baptist. We had Baptist deacons. They were people who took care of the church. They served in the church. And guess what? Most of them tried to keep the pastor in line. So I came to the church of God, and we got a church and pastor's council. They served basically as deacons in the church. Am I correct? I think I know our polity pretty well. If I don't, I'm in trouble, right? If I'm a deacon, it's not my job to tell the pastor what to do. It's my job to serve the pastor and serve the Lord. And you know what? A lot of our churches, I'm sure you don't have that problem here, but a lot of our churches, man, I'm telling you, I, I, wear, I wear a white and black shirt sometimes. I don't have a whistle. But sometimes I feel like I need one to referee because sometimes people forget what it means to be a servant. Jesus said, if you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be servant of all. Say serve. I like this word follow. Jesus said, wherever I am, there my servant will be. They will follow me. Say follow. All that means is get on the same path. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You and I as God's people are following the Lord. And this little word honor that he talks about is to honor or place a value on or to revere. And I don't know about you, but when the favor of God is on your life, when the anointing of God is on your life, when the power of God is on your life, that word epi in the New Testament, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. That is to come upon you. That word epi means to be endued or clothed in power, clothed in favor, clothed in the honor of God. I don't know about you. Holiness does have a name, and his name is Jesus. Come on, praise the Lord with me this morning. And if you ask me how I made it through, I made it through the grace of God. What a powerful song that was. That word favor in the New Testament means to induce with special honor. Just as a woman is induced in labor. I don't know about you, but I can remember when we had our children. We had two sons. We, ha we now have four grandchildren and one more on the way. And when they induce labor, contractions comes hard and fast. 
And so when God induces favor in your life, guess what? It comes upon you hard and fast. The favor of God begins to open doors for your life. The favor of God brings you before great men and great women. The favor of God gets you promotions at work. The favor of God keeps you headed in the right direction. Thank God for His favor. So moves of God. So I think about this. So I love all kinds of music. You know, I, I was raised singing bluegrass. You know, so, I mean, if you can do that, you can do about anything. If you can love that, you know, you sing through your nose sometimes, whine when you sing. You know, bluegrass has a lot of ballads in it. You know, that's what it's about. If you know anything about bluegrass. Well, you know, there's some bluegrass songs that I, I love. Kathy can't really endure hardly bluegrass at all and every time my family got together guess what we would do we would get out the get fiddles and we'd sit around and we'd pluck and play a little bit bluegrass and I like bluegrass and you know the church was started in brush arbors and a lot of that uh, bluegrass music is where the church started uh, and especially in Kentucky, the Everly Brothers out in western Kentucky. And if you go on the country music highway where we're from there in Portsmouth, Ohio, around Ashland, you got the Judds. I mean, you got uh, a whole bunch of folks up there. That's why they call it the Bluegrass Highway there, Country Music Highway. So I know a little bit about country music. We've sung a lot of country music. Kath and I sung in church almost every night for five years straight. I mean, you know, we, we know about music. Every move of God, typically people are going where they see the activity or the cloud of God. So if you were part of the Great Awakening, you would see the crowds. I've been to Cane Ridge many times. I love to go out there and pray because it marks the spot for the second great awakening. You could see the dust and you could see the cloud of dust from those who had gone there. But by the time you got there, guess what? They were probably gone. You know why that great awakening move that started there ended? Because the horses ran out of grass. After two weeks, there was nothing else for the horses to eat, and that was their mode of transportation. So, but it was God's will because what happened there, only 7% of what was considered the West was Christian at that time. Kentucky was not Kentucky. Kentucky was Virginia at the time. And so from that spot, God used that spot, our state, that spot in this state to... to I believe it was to revive over 83% of the people of our nation at that given time. Men like Charles Finney come out of the Second Great Awakening. He would go by towns on a train and people would fall under the convicting power of God. He would go and preach one night. And as he would, and I loved his style of preaching. He would get down on his knee. He was a lawyer turned preacher. He'd get down on his knee and he'd open his Bible. They didn't teach me this in seminary. But he would open his Bible and wherever the, his finger landed on the spot, that's where he took his message from. And in one year in the state of New York, over 100,000 people gave their life to the Lord under the preaching of that great revivalist. Oberlin College in Ohio, where our home state is, is, was founded by Charles Finney. I don't know if you knew anything about Finney. When he ended his ministry, he ended it on a Sunday morning. He came to preach, and at that day, it would have been a mega church. It was probably about 11 or 1,200 people present that morning. 
And Finney came to the pulpit to preach, and when he bowed his knee, instead of just going to the scripture, he was overwhelmed with grief because all six of his children were lost. And he said, I don't know that I can bear the load of preaching today with my children lost. Finney got up and walked out of the building. Charles Finney died, and none of those children were saved. But after he died, all six of those children gave their heart to the Lord because he was a man of God that believed for his children. Oh, I'd say he had the favor of God on his life. I know he was filled with the Spirit. I've read his autobiography many times. And he, he said that he built a fire in the fireplace. He said, I had no idea of how long I prayed. He said, I do know that the fire went out in the fireplace. But oh, did the fire of God burn in me. And in 24 hours, 24 people were saved. Those who came to Jesus Listen to me. Those who have that kind of favor, that kind of power, those are the people that were like the disciples who the world said about them, they that have turned the world upside down have come hitherto. I want that kind of testimony in my life. Give God praise. Would you do that this morning? A lot of people are camping out in the nostalgia of a previous move of God. Very nostalgic. And I love old-time Pentecost. I mean, you know, I love Tommy Bates. And he can shrug his shoulders and play the piano and sing under the noise. He's a man of God. I, I love to hear uh, Brother Bates sing. And, you know, that's what I would consider old-time Pentecostal. That, uh, but I love modern. I never really pastored an old-time Pentecostal church. My churches uh, that we pastored, that Kathy and I pastored, they're not mine. The Church of God churches were modern Pentecostal churches. And In fact, they were cutting-edge churches. My philosophy has always been if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. What I've discovered about living on the edge, if you're, if you're living on the edge, it's easy to fall off. So you've got to have balance in your life, and Kathy's always been that balance. But so many people are afraid to embrace what God is doing now. So many people are afraid to go where God is leading them now. Because we've lost the pioneering spirit. That's why there's such a law and such a low like never before in the church of God and also in every evangelical movement in the United States of America. We cannot hardly fill our pulpits with preachers anymore. It breaks my heart. I can remember when God was calling me to preach. Now, don't misunderstand me. I had a little struggle with being called to preach because after I got saved, it wasn't long after that till the Lord started calling me into ministry, and uh, we were doing really good, and I didn't want to go to church. I remember the night I got saved. I was sitting on the back row with Kathy, had a pack of Marlboro on my uh, left pocket, flannel shirt, and blue jeans on. I was raised Baptist. It wasn't long after that, that Kathy and I would be singing in church, and I mean, you know, I would testify, we would testify, and Charlie Osborne, this is why I really like, this is one thing I really like about the church of God, you cannot advance in ministry in the church of God without a local church endorsement. 
somebody and we're the body of Christ that body has to believe in you enough for your pastor to set you forth before your congregation it takes a motion and a second and the congregation to agree that you're worthy to enter the ministry so that you can go forth in ranks that's the same way it was in the Baptist church you had to be set forth and when they set you forth in the Baptist church it takes a year not a day they watch your life they make sure that you're actually a child of God even though a lot of them believe in eternal security, they know what salvation is and they know what sin is. And if you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And if you're a Christian, you're a Christian. And I was raised that way. That's just the way it is. I heard one old Baptist preacher say, well, I think what we need to do is go out and get us an old sinner and bring him into the church and let them tell us what sin is again because we forgot. Here's what I know. I cannot camp out in the last move of God. Once the manna ceases, if, listen to me, God provides. So fresh manna falls from heaven every morning for the children of Israel when they're walking through the wilderness. I've been there. But guess what? If you fail to pick the manna up, and, and you won't eat. Now, if you pick up a few or if you pick up many, the Bible said those who gathered little, lack nothing those who gathered much have none left over so manna is what is it it's 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 the daily supply but guess what if you tried to keep the manna overnight till the next day other than the sabbath day it would rot and let me tell you what's wrong with the christian world in the united states of america in the western world as a whole we're living off of yesterday's manna instead of having a fresh word from the day why? Because it's so pioneering. It's scary to go where nobody, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a Star Trek fan. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Leonard Nimoy was a Jew. And that sign is the same sign that the Levitical priests make over the children of Israel when they bless them with number 6, verse 24. Did you know that? Now you know, I just educated you. Thank you. Where I am. So let me help you. You should be asking God right now, God, where are you in my life? Where are you right now? Father, what are you speaking to me today? What are you saying to me today? Where are you? Because where you are is where I want to be. So first and foremost, I want to talk about favor and it attracts. Say favor attracts. The force of the favor of God attracts the provision of God in your life. Say provision. I can remember the first word, prophetic word, that was ever written and given to me. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 8. I think it starts around verse 8, counsel is mine where it starts there and it goes down and it talks about the wisdom of God and the provision of God and the blessing of God and those that seek me early those will be the ones who find me I, every month of my life I tried to read that prophecy every year of my life every month of my life I tried to read that prophecy over my life again because I remember who gave it to me it was a person named Karen Heyer she had what was called Lou Gehrig's disease and she could not speak hardly with her mouth at all, but her daughter could understand what she said, and we would go visit and pray with her, and that was the first written word that was ever given to me as a word of prophecy over my life. Say favor. 
So I can remember when it was very difficult for me and Kathy financially, that we struggled financially. But we learned how to give. We learned how to pay our tithes. We learned how to bless the church. We've learned how to just be blessed because we give. So Brother Baker knows a lot about mission states. Um, Kathy and I went to uh, the North Central region. And when I got there, Brother Baker, they handed me my check and they told me not to cash it because there was no money in the bank. Say favor. Kathy, look, we just left Canton Temple of Praise. We'd been here for many years, went to Canton Temple for about four and a half years, pastored there, and then went out as overseers. Kathy asked me, how much are we going to make when we get there? I said, I have no earthly idea. I didn't know it was going to be zero. I had a friend call me while I was in the office. He said, walk to the mailbox, check the mailbox, and he had sent me a $1,000 check. He said, I figured you and Kathy might need some groceries. Say favor. When we went to Liberty, it was the same way. And there was a person that was at prayer conference the other night, her and her husband. And when we first went to Liberty, we were voted in on 17 votes. The church had split. And that's all, that when the smoke of the battle cleared away, that's all that was left. And that, that woman walked into my office on a Friday and handed me a check for $1,000 so that Kathy and I could receive our first week's pay at that church. Say favor. We were in that mission state for five and a half years. Almost five and a half years. A little over five years, not quite actually five and a half. When we left there, we left them with $300,000, approximately $300,000 in the bank. Say favor. We went to Pennsylvania, and they were going in the hole, $120,000 a month. Or excuse me, a year, I'm sorry. $10,000 a month. So I told the state council, only the federal government spends more money than they receive, and we're not the federal government. Pastor Rob, I would go outside of my office, and Interstate 81 runs right by the office in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And I would be so overwhelmed sometimes because the burden of finances is a heavy burden. And I really didn't know exactly what we were going to do. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, we got money in the bank, but we're not making budget. So the Lord told me, just give it to me and trust me. And I put this morning on my Facebook, I shared my daily devotion today, and it talked about he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on thee, or about the peace of God that passeth all understanding in our lives. And if we fully trust God, we can fully have peace. They had not made budget in that state for years. And so it was my goal for us not to exceed the budget. And the Lord helped us. Someone knew that we needed a car that would help me with my budget. They wrote me a check for $50,000, and I gave it to the state of Pennsylvania. I sewed in to what I believed in. We never went in the hole, not one time. We would bank $30,000 at camp meeting after we paid all the bills. Say favor. Money is always attached with favor. Blessings are always attached with favor. 
And I know a lot of people don't like to talk about money. I'm not a multi-multi-millionaire, anything like that. We are very blessed, okay? But I've been there when I had to sell a load of firewood. I love to deer hunt. I had to sell, sell a load of firewood to buy a deer tag so I could go hunting. So I know what it's like not to have. But I also know what it's like to have more than I could ever ask or believe God for. Say favor. Now I've come to Kentucky and the assignment was pretty easy, straight up. Things need done. And I need your help to get them done. And I need your pastor's help to get them done. He serves uh, on one of our elected boards. He is a man that's highly esteemed in this state. And I put no one down who's ever came before me or anything like that. But there's been so much deferred maintenance at our campground. I mean, I thought about, you know, Jonathan came to me and told me, he said, you know, our TVs, he said, Bishop, we need help in the tabernacle. So everywhere, every, listen, I get the trees cut down. I got a fence that's been up there for I don't know how many years that's rotten. And I'm like, God, I got to get the fence cleaned up now. Guess what? The other day, someone came to the office who laid carpet in the office for nothing. Didn't charge us a dime. Say favor. Said, I'm finishing up a job on Tuesday evening. He said, I'm going to have my men here on Wednesday morning with my heavy equipment. And we're going to take that fence down. And we're going to take care of what needs done. Say favor. If I will serve God, that word serve means to work. If I will do what I can do, God will do what I cannot do. That's the way my God works. Come on, praise Him in this place. <laughs> well, it's amazing to me how that God uses us to gain favor with people. It's just, it's really amazing. So the two men that worked for that contractor that was in my office laying carpet, they got there late on, on Friday morning to lay carpet. And so uh, the pastor who came to do that runs that business. I helped him pull carpet up. And I was taking uh, carpet, uh, picking carpet up and taking it out so it could be thrown away and be burned or whatever we're going to do with it there. And that night at dinner, when we took them to dinner, he looked at me and he said, you made one of the best, one of the largest impressions on this man's life who'd been serving in Frontier, just came out of Frontier Deliverance, just came out of a place of drug rehab. And he said, I've never seen a person in his caliber work. Say serve. I would never ask you to do what I will not do, what I'm not willing to do. Do you hear me? That's what it is to be a servant leader, to be a person who, and, and that's when he said, my men want to come and do this, and we're going to do it for free. Say favor. So favor is the attraction of God to you that releases the supernatural influence through you so that other people will become attracted to you to cooperate with you by releasing the resources of God to you in the assignment that God gave you. That is not my quote. That's uh, Lance Wallnow's quote. That's one of the greatest quotes on favor that I have ever heard in my life. I have lived that quote all of my life. Number two, 
favor in Scripture is always drawn to somebody. So favor has an assignment on your life. It's attracted with power, but it's always given to somebody. Say somebody. David is an example in the Old Testament of someone who had the favor of God on his life. His father didn't call him in the house. His brothers all stood before the man of God. And when David walked in from taking care of the sheep, immediately the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Arise, anoint him, for my chosen is before you. Say favor. Many kings have come and gone in Israel. But the star of David still flies over that great nation. Do you hear me? That is favor. Billy Graham, probably one of the greatest preachers that ever mantled a pulpit in the world. If you go to Charlotte, North Carolina, I think you'll find out about what Billy Graham's all about. He has a library that's probably as good as any presidential library in the United States of America, and it has a boulevard named after him. And guess what? He probably will go down in history as one of the greatest evangelical preachers in the history of evangelical preachers with souls saved because the favor of God that was on his life. Say favor. Mary in the New Testament. There were many virgins alive when Mary conceived Jesus in her womb. Do you hear me? The girls of Israel, the Hebrew girls knew that the Holy Ghost was going to come upon a virgin and a virgin would conceive in her womb and bear the Son of God. You talking about a way to keep purity in the forefront? That was a way to keep purity in the forefront. And so Mary... When the angel of the Lord came to her, blessed art thou, Mary, thou art highly favored. Do you know what Mary's name means? The word Mary comes from the Hebrew word Myra, which is the word that means bitter. I never found anything bitter about Mary in Scripture. Whatever, the, whatever he says to you, do it. That's Mary. <laughs> that's Mary whatever my son says for you to do all you need to do is just simply do it say Mary now I know the Catholic Church has made uh, her second in the kingdom to Jesus Christ I understand that I'm not elevating her to that place today but I know that she's highly favored with God because God smiled on her and there was something in her life that drew the favor of God. I close with this point. Favor is always associated with an assignment. So I've received several words of prophecy since I've been in Kentucky from people that have came to Kentucky to speak for me or who know Kathy and I. And here's what they have said. God has sent you here for such a time as this, and God, this is God's assignment, divine assignment for your life. So why would it not, I mean, I don't know, I guess they'll keep me here. I don't know, y'all have a right to, anybody that's a credential minister, y'all have a right to vote uh, right after Christmas. 
uh, whether you want me to stay or not. So I've heard people say, well, ain't nobody moves me but God. Well, you're not an overseer. And, pa- <laughs> and, and pastors have a right. If they don't like what I'm doing, they can vote on me. And I don't shy away from that. When I was a pastor, I was voted on every Sunday. So I know what being voted on is like. God didn't send me here just to fill up eight years of my life that I have left. That's not what God sent me here to do. God sent me here on assignment. And whatsoever you find, I love this passage in Ecclesiastes. And whatsoever you find for your hands to do, do it with all your might. I know I'm wearing our maintenance man out. We were in a meeting the other night and he said, Bishop has one speed wide open. State patrols think that about me too. Wide <laughs> open. <laughs> Thank God I got a bunch of them that are my friends. You need to hang out with Jesus until you discover what your assignment is. Leonard Ravenhill says the reason that most pastors and preachers don't know what God doesn't like is because they don't spend enough time with him to find out what he really likes. I don't know about you, but I want my life to reflect that I've been in the presence of God. You know what they said about the disciples? They were ignorant and unlearned, but they took knowledge of them that they had been with Christ. You'll find your assignment in life by spending time with the Lord. If they'll go ahead and come to the music, we're going to slow her down. If you serve the assignment, he will give you the honor of favor. If you will serve the assignment. So, Pastor, when we went to North Dakota, 24% of the total income of that mission state came from two churches, Eagles Wings and West Minot in Minot, North Dakota. Anybody here ever been to North Dakota? Yeah. Anybody here ever been to Minot? Been to Minot? Why not Minot? Freezing's the reason. <laughs> we spent five plus wonderful years there. You know what the state tree is in North Dakota, right? The telephone pole. You know what the state bird is, right? The mosquito. Listen, we spent five plus wonderful years there. And as soon as I got there, just like I started in Kentucky, there was a flood. And so I go in this church building. It's probably about this size, and it had trays on the side, but it was an old Eagles bar, Eagles club. Literally, that's what the church was. They called it Eagles Wings Ministry, and it was an Eagles club. And so the pastor and his wife was there, and they were taking their chairs and stuffing them up in the top of that deep tray because they were getting ready to flood that building with over seven and a half feet of water. It was a controlled flood released by the federal government because of the snow melt. I mean, I just got there. It's June. Snow melt, June. I, I mean, I'd never really been out west. See, it's what you it's what you learn after you know it all that really counts. 
And so I prayed with that pastor and his wife in that sanctuary. And I just looked at him and said, let it burn. And I said, out of the ashes, God will raise a mighty army. So I went back to Bismarck. That They were sounding the flood alarms when I left Minot, North Dakota. Lorraine Livingston was there doing my camp meeting. And um, he told me, he said, just keep me, in, keep me informed about what's happening in Minot, would you? I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. So uh, about two and a half, three weeks go by, they flooded that town. And it took about a month and a half for the waters to recede and go down. So I walk, I walk in that same building. I got a pair of muck boots on because the mud's about five and a half inches deep. Standing in the exact same spot, I held hands with Travis and Dean Hubdy. And I said, the word that I spoke to you when I was here the last time is still the same word of the Lord today. What the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. I said, now the ashes, God's going to raise up a mighty church here. He said, well, how are we going to do that? I said, well, God's going to do that. I said, we're going to help. I said, I'll have workers here tomorrow. I didn't, I mean, I just got there. Remember, I didn't get paid. So, Minot's two hours from Bismarck. So I got on the horn. I started calling people. I called a man in South Dakota, and I said, let me tell you what I need for Eagle's Wings. I need a front-end loader. And I need a tractor. I said, because if I don't get the stuff off the walls, mold had already started growing. I mean, it was already where the water was, and it was going on up in that 12-foot ceiling in that building. I said, we got to get every bit of the sheetrock in that building out. we got to get all the old boards out. we got to clean it out because there will be an inspector come. And if you're an inspector for the state, thank you so much for your job. I really love and appreciate you. But there are some things I have to get done before you show up, like get all the asbestos off the walls, because once that, if they would have walked in on us, they would have put a stop work order on that building, and I knew it. And so I had about four or five volunteers that helped me, and within a week, we had every bit of the sheetrock and drywall off that, and on Friday, we started on Monday, on Friday afternoon, the state inspector walked in that building. I never, even, I never introduced myself. I just kept working. I knew who she was. I just kept pulling sheetrock off, kept taking two befores down. Pastor talked to her, and he came to me. He said, man, you was right. But she said, I had till Monday evening to get everything out of the building before she comes back. Say favor. Stand with me. So those people were so discouraged while the water was still in the city. I promised them that I could get them a minimum of $100,000. Remember, I didn't get paid. I said, I know I can get you $100,000. By the grace of God, we raised over $425,000 cash and over $325,000 in materials that was donated to that church. Would you give God praise? The first offering I received was $150,000 from Brother Livingston's church. I told God, God, I know you didn't send me here to be a failure. 
Your, your hand's been on my life, all of my life. Say favor. Joseph was favored by his father, Jacob. He received a coat of many colors. I have one of those. I have a coat of many colors that was made for me by my spiritual son. God revealed his assignment through dreams to Joseph. Joseph proclaimed his assignment and it set in alignment the resources of God to get him where he needed to go. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher and how shall he preach except he be sent? When I declare from my mouth the assignment of God, it releases the resources of God in my life that I need to do and accomplish the will of God. That don't mean it's going to be easy. They put him in a pit. They sold him to those who were coming from Gilead, the balm of Gilead, those who carried the very healing oil and salve of God to place upon him. He ended up in Potiphar's house, but Joseph could not fulfill his assignment being the boss in Potiphar's house. He had to go to prison so a baker and a butcher could hear the word of the Lord in their dreams. The Bible said they heard him. I've been in jail. They didn't put me in stocks. I'm glad I didn't go to the stockade when I was in the army. I had friends that did. They went to Leavenworth. That's not a good place to go. But the Bible said they heard him. They bound him with chains. And they put a chain around the neck of Joseph. He said, but God kept him as the apple of his eye. And so there was another dream that came. Joseph had dreams. The baker had a dream. The butler, not the butcher, had a dream. And the butler, his dream, he told the dream to Joseph. Joseph interpreted and said, remember me. God's going to put you back in place in Pharaoh's house. Remember me. Say remember. See, favors are about remembering. And so what you need to do is you need to pray that those people that you've blessed in life, that those people that you've worked so hard for, that you've done so much for, that they will remember that and release blessing or favor in your life. The baker's dream wasn't quite so good. <laughs> put, a, put a basket on his head and the birds lifted the bread out of it. And Joseph said, and they're going to, Pharaoh's going to lift your head. And that's what happened. And then it came to pass that Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could interpret it. And God allowed the butler to remember the dream that had been fulfilled by the mouth of a man who is symbolic of Jesus Christ. He is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And here's what he told Pharaoh. The dream is God's and so is the interpretation. All I am is a servant of the Lord. Where I am, there my servant will be. When the famine got so bad in the second seven years and they brought Jacob's brothers or Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers, into Joseph's presence, that scripture that I quoted to that young couple in that church is the scripture that 
Joseph quoted to his brothers. He said, what you did for me, you intended for harm or evil. But God intended it for good so that I could come before you. He was a pioneer. Do you hear me? He went where nobody wanted to go. He did what nobody wanted to do to preserve life even until this day. That's the word of the Lord. So why is favor on my life and on your life, Pastor? You know, I had Tommy Tenney come to church. I love Tommy Tenney. And we're sitting around at a table having a meal with him. And I guess if the, the only thing that really discouraged me from my conversation that day is I asked Tommy, I said, tell me why you believe the favor of God is on your life. And he said, it's for me. He said, the favor of God is for me so that doors will be open for my life so that I can fulfill the destiny of God in my life. And I've never really believed that. Now, I believe that's part of it for my assignment. But I believe the favor of God on my life is to bless you. That's what I believe. Just like Joseph. So that many people will be saved. God's getting ready to do something new in the earth. And I close with this. This is a prophecy of David Wilkerson. I'm going to have to get my glasses on or I'm not going to be able to see that one. I see a plague coming on the world and the bars and the churches and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and they will spend time praying, their time praying and in their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of this great plague will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. That prophecy was given by David Wilkerson in 1986. So here's what I believe. I believe that this church of God... And not just the church of God, but I declare this over every church in this state. That is a church where the Spirit of the Lord is and where the Word of God is being preached. That God is getting ready to give us the greatest harvest that we have ever witnessed in a lifetime since the second great awakening. And you know what that means? We'll not have churches big enough to hold the people that's going to come. There's only about two miles difference as a crow flies one mile between here and Solid Rock Church. I drove on that parking lot this morning. I took some pictures. Tommy Doolittle, him and Amy are mine and Kathy's best friends. And I sent him a picture of that church. There's enough people that live between here and that church to fill up this church and that church ten times over. Do you hear me? The favor of God is coming upon the body of Christ. This is what I believe. I believe that the favor of God is coming to the earth like never before. And the people of God are going to be elevated to such a position in the earth because the miraculous power of God is going to be released in our midst again. The miracles are going to start happening. Do you hear me? People are going to get up out of their wheelchairs back there, brother. People in this room are going to be healed of cancer and disease. And God is going to raise up a mighty army in the earth. His favor 
is going to rest on us because we were shut up in our closet with Him. Are you ready for that? If you're ready for that while they're starting to sing this song, I want you to come and start praising the Lord in the altar right now. Come on, if you're ready for that to happen, if you want that favor released in your life, let's just come and believe together. Come on, worship Him. With every breath that I am Every breath, Lord. Oh, I will sing. I will sing. Come on, just worship. 